Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Hello and happy Monday to all of you. Glad to have you here. To join me for this week's teaching, I'm Krista Bontrager. I am a Christian theologian and public apologist, and this is the channel where I offer teaching about the Bible and theological commentary on social issues. I'm excited to bring you another teaching today and kind of build on some of the recent conversations we've been doing recently about Christian parenting. Been talking a lot about doing hard things as Christian parents and taking leadership in our children's lives, in their discipleship, in their education, especially their education about the faith. And today we are going to talk about some very practical strategies. And by practical, I mean like step one, step two, step three kinds of practical strategies to help you get more up to speed on your faith or to maybe take your learning about the faith to a new level. Um, this is especially relevant for you parents who have young children. I know you think, my kids are young. I have time. <laughs> uh, I've just, I've been, that's why I've entitled this discipling yourself as you are discipling your children. You Christian parents with young kids, I know you think you have a lot of time, but trust me, you, you will never have more time than you have right now. So uh, these strategies are for you. These strategies are for you, even if you don't have children, okay? This is really teaching that is relevant for everyone who wants to dig deeper into the faith. Okay, let's get into this. I'm recognizing more and more as I teach online classes uh, through my website, that a lot of the parents now, the parents with young children are millennials. I'm a Gen X, I'm a little bit older. Most of the parents in my generation have grown children now. And it's really the millennial generation that has the, the young children. And uh, according to multiple Barna studies, I'm gonna use that as a baseline, uh, the millennials who call themselves Christians, about 60% of Americans who are millennials call themselves Christians. But when Barna digs down a little deeper into how many of those 60% actually have an integrated biblical worldview, he says it's somewhere between two and 4% of millennials. And just to flesh that out a little bit more. Here is Barna's definition of what a biblical worldview is. Uh, this is back from 2003. It's believing that absolute moral truths exist, that such truth is defined by the Bible, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules today. Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people, and the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. I don't know about you, but these seem fairly basic, fairly... Um, straightforward to historic Christianity. This is how Barna is defining what a biblical worldview is. So when we see numbers like two to 4% of millennials have a biblical worldview, it, that's interesting to know like how that is, how is being defined. And that this is the majority of our Christian parents today are millennials. And there's a lot of people running around in the millennial generation calling themselves a Christian, but very, very few. Let's say Barna is way off. Let's just double his numbers. So it's four to 8%. That's, 
that's still a very frighteningly low number of Christians with an integrated biblical worldview. And one of the things that I've noticed as I teach my classes is that many of the the people who sign up for my classes are millennial parents. They're in that generation. And they're, I, th I think that this kind of summarizes, I think it was a, a student in one of my classes who said this, in fact. She said, what happens when you wake up one day and you realize you know more about the canon of Star Wars than the canon of the Bible? And this is where I think a lot of Christian millennial parents are binding themselves. They have been very educated into pop culture, but they are struggling to instruct their own children in the faith in rigorous ways. And I think that this is this this is a theory. This is this is one of my theories, okay? So I think that that a lot of millennials are kind of the first generation to grow up in mega church culture and to be discipled by mega church culture. It would make an interesting doctoral dissertation for somebody to undertake to see if there's any causation there between how people were raised in certain mega churches and then what their um, biblical literacy rates are in, in the faith. Because the students that take my classes, and, and maybe this is just confirmation bias, I don't know. But as I interact with people in the millennial generation, and when we're out on the road and in my classes, this seems to be reflective of how they feel, is that I've grown up in the church, but I don't really know that much about my faith. And I'm struggling to teach it to my own children. Just observing that is, it's no wonder that the up and coming generation of Gen Z is struggling so much in their faith. I think that, that we've got some education gaps here of millennial parents and, and through no fault of their own, but they are just struggling to know what constitutes historic Christianity, especially because there are so many alternatives out there and so many errors. How do I differentiate between all of these errors? So I think another component of that is that we are growing up, our kids are growing up now in a culture that is actively hostile to our faith. So it's kind of a two-front war for the for the Christian millennial parent. They're trying to figure out how do I disciple my child in the faith, but then how do I also help my child resist the culture and how the culture is wanting to disciple my child. I hear get a lot of letters to this effect of help. I grew up in the church, but I don't know enough about my faith to disciple my children in the middle of a culture that is hostile to my faith. So this seems to be the landscape of where we are now. And so I want to offer some very practical steps, and I'm calling them six baby steps to discipling yourself as you disciple your kids. And I think that this will help give you a framework of here are some very practical things that you can do. So step number one is assemble a time budget. Now, I know this might seem kind of weird, but uh, my friend Laura is on the stream here and she does a lot to help people uh, get coaching over managing their money. And one of the first things she has them do is learn how to assemble a money budget. I have found great value in assembling time budgets. This is from my former boss, uh, Dr. Jeff Swirik at Reasons to Believe was the one who taught me this very valuable skill of assembling a time budget. And I had a time budget at my job and I had to know like, I spend approximately this many hours a week responding to emails. I spend this many hours a week sitting in meetings. I spend this many hours 
uh, on particular projects. And, and so he taught me to think before I take on a new project, sort of like in the words of Jesus, to sit down and count the cost first before you build a tower. He would make me sit down and write out a time budget for how much time this new project is going to take. And I knew that I only had 2,000 and some hour work hours in the year. So then I had to figure out what was I going to drop in order to add this new thing in. And it really taught me how to manage my time and manage my commitments because I have a tendency to be a workaholic. And I think maybe this was part of his managerial strategy to help me uh, have better discipleship in that area. And so I would have to report to him and tell him, okay, in order to take on this new project, because I am the queen of thinking and dreaming of new projects, I would have to remove these other projects from my time budget. And if I couldn't do that, then he didn't allow me to take on a new project. Assembling a time budget is a very useful skill. So when you think about your daily tasks, um, do an audit, sit down and think about how do I spend my day? I got to my daily tasks. I sleep a certain number of hours. Um, I have to spend time making my meals, eating my meals, doing my personal hygiene, taking a shower, putting on my makeup, growing my hair, doing all of that. So you got those daily tasks. You could think about your work time. Uh, how much time do you spend commuting to your job? How much time do you spend in your office? Chores, things you've just got to do, your routines around the house. This includes yard work. If you're a student, it might include your homework, might include errands that you have to run, uh, taking the kids to the doctor and, and all of that. Yeah, going to get a haircut. Um, leisure time, screen time, going to kids' sports, doing your hobbies. These are kind of some of the major buckets of life that we have to think about. And so it's like, well, if I'm going to take more time to learn about my faith, how am I going to fit that into my already busy life? So I'm going to have to think about, all right, these are my tasks. These are the things that I do on the regular. So I'm going to have to think about, are there things I'm going to have to drop in order to invest time into learning more about my faith? I can't do everything. All right. I only have everyone's only got 24 hours in the day. Okay. So I'm going to have to think, all right, are there things I'm going to have to change? I like when my friend Jeremy Bannister says, he says, sometimes I have to give up good things in order to make discipleship more of a priority. And sometimes we have to help our children give up good things in order to make discipleship more of a priority. Because none of us wants to stand before the throne and, you know, we're not going to be giving reports about our mastery of the Star Wars canon, okay? But we will give an account for our lives and what we've done for the kingdom, uh, every careless word that we've said. And so we want to think about, all right, here are the things that I do. How can I be aware of them? It's just like making a money budget. Sometimes we're just not aware where our money is going. We want to be the boss of our money. We've got to sit down and think about it, okay? So we might have to start thinking about redeeming some of our time. We might have to make some trades. We might have to think about, all right, my commuting time. I'm just driving in my car for 45 minutes to and from my job. How can I redeem that time? to start learning about my faith. All right, maybe I'm going to invest in Audible or maybe I'm going to start listening to podcasts or audio Bible or something. That's some time that I can redeem. Maybe I'm cleaning the house, doing the dishes. Maybe while I'm doing those those tasks, those chores, maybe doing the yard work, I'm going to be listening to a book on tape or I'm going to be listening to the Bible. I'm going to redeem that time a little bit. Maybe there might be things that are good and might actually have to give up in order to make discipleship a priority. So those are some ways to think about time budgets. 
Now, as you're noticing your time habits, one of the things, you know, you're going to want to pray about it, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal maybe some habits that need to change. Maybe you're spending too much time just binge watching Netflix. I don't know. But there might be things the Holy Spirit highlights for you that you need to repent from. Um, you're also going to want to notice your time habits because, man, have you ever noticed like our kids just imitate us? They, they imitate us in what's good, but they also imitate our sinful patterns. And so if we have lazy problems. Our kids will emulate lazy problems. You know, it's not unusual. So we want to be setting a good example for them of how we use our time, but also in how we are engaging in the project of discipleship and lifelong learning about our faith, because we want to let them notice, you know, what we're doing and how we spend our time and how we are being disciplined about that. Um, we may have to, we may have a problem of just working too much. This is what I struggle with. Um, and I've had to really constantly evaluate my work rest rhythms. And am I practicing a good rhythm, a biblical rhythm of having times for work and, and rest? That's hard for me. I try to do Saturday night when the sun goes down to Sunday evening when the sun goes down. That's kind of my time for rest and worship and and all of that. And I try not to work. Um, it's challenging for me uh, in, in doing that. I don't always succeed at it, but I want to also provide that, that good example. And for my own health benefit, I, I want to have that as a practice. Okay, so my first baby step, assemble a time budget. You got to know where you are. You got to know where you're going to fit in your discipleship efforts in your time. All right. Number two is learn the basics of the faith. This is the second baby step. This is kind of the, we're going through the ABCs here of how do I learn about the basics of the faith? Well, a really good way to do this is by going through a catechism. Now, um, this is one that that our family has used. I, I'm not on an endorsement. There are many options available at our house church. We use the New City Catechism. Uh, the answers are a little shorter and simpler. But um, we have spent time as a family reading through the catechism and discussing the questions. Um, and this is really the ABCs of the faith. The catechism is the historic way that children were trained in the faith and new converts were trained in the faith. And so if you haven't had a very robust education in the faith, you want to learn the ABCs of the faith, a catechism is a great way to do that. It's going to walk you through the Lord's Prayer, how to pray, the Ten Commandments, how do we love God, how do we love our neighbor, and the Apostles' Creed. What are the the basic faith statements of what it means to be a Christian. It also should have sections related to baptism and the Lord's Supper, the two sacraments of the church. So this is a great place to start in your journey of learning the basics of the faith is go through a catechism. How we did it in our family is we just would read through a few of the questions each day. We would look up the scripture references that were included, and then we would discuss them, maybe two to four questions a day. And we would just work our way through it. And then we take a break from the, we might get all the way through the Lord's Prayer in that section. Then we take a break and then we would go through a book of the Bible. And then we would go back and do the Ten Commandments or something. So, you know, there's a little, little variety to it but um, kind of informal, but it'll walk you through the ABCs of the faith. If you want to dig in more, uh, let's say you've gone through a catechism and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I want more. Here's a few more suggestions for learning some basic doctrine. You can go through my friend Kenneth Sample's book, Without a Doubt, Answering the 20 Toughest Faith Questions. It's a wonderful 
very readable, accessible summary of a lot of key um, issues related to the faith, like the Trinity and the Incarnation, and even answering some big questions that people have, like, do all religions lead to God and that sort of a thing. I also have a YouTube teaching series on my channel. If you want something for free, you can listen through the playlist called Christianity 101. And there's a lot of teachings there that will walk you through some basics of the faith. I also have three theology courses on my website that you can take on demand on your own time. And it'll walk you through all the great doctrines of the faith in a little bit more extended way. And you're going to come out the other side with a really good framework of what does it mean to be a Christian? Okay, so those are three very practical next steps that you can take um, in how to learn the basics of the faith. When Oh, Tracy's got a very interesting question. When I was in youth ministry teaching millennials, I was routinely frustrated at how shallow our lessons were. But due to work in college, I was not fully committed and relied on relied on others too much. I, I think you're not alone in that, Tracy. I have often felt like many of the curriculums that I look at that come through the standard public Christian publishing houses are very shallow. And it is hard to find good teaching and that goes just beyond the very, very surface level. Hopefully I've I've provided some, some uh, things to consider, uh, some practical next steps. Okay, number three, my third baby step to discipling yourself. The first one was assemble a time budget. Gotta figure out where am I gonna stick discipleship in my time budget. Number two was learn the basics of the faith. Number three is learn how to interpret the Bible. This is absolutely critical. If there is one area that um, I think is so overlooked and misunderstood, it is how to properly interpret the Bible. And I've done many podcasts on this channel related to this issue, concerns I have about how pastors are currently being taught to interpret the Bible that go against historic Christianity. Um, I did a podcast recently, just a couple of months ago. It's called, Does Your Pastor Sound Like This or Talk Like This? Um, it, very practical teaching to help train you uh, for you know red flags. When you hear your pastor talking a certain way or using certain phrases, um, that, that could be indicative of some problems. But the best inoculation for that is to equip yourself in how to interpret the Bible. Now, I'm here to tell you that I'm sorry that probably nobody has ever sat down and properly taught you and discipled you on how to interpret the Bible. But I am here to help, okay? This is what I do. And this is so important baseline to start with book level treatment steward of fees how to read the bible for all it's worth um i know lisa childers in her book group just finished reading through this book it's in you know my top books that i think all christians should read it's an awesome book but i want to encourage you to go even deeper than that book take my class on how to really interpret the bible we use that book as the textbook and then help you apply it by um, practicing. And I give you step one, step two, step three of how to interpret the Bible. And this is vital information for you to know how to do. And some of those basics. I have a podcast with uh, that Monique and I did on all the things a couple of years ago where I walk you through some of those basic first steps of how to interpret the Bible. You could listen to that for free, all right? A second class that I offer that goes beyond the Steward and Feed book is called God's Big Story. This is another vital skill in how to interpret the Bible. 
But what what this Jordan Fee book does and, and my how to really interpret the Bible class does is it gives you like the step-by-step process. Here's how to do it. The God's Big Story class pulls you up at 30,000 feet and teaches you how all the stories in the Bible tell the overall story of the Bible. This is a vital skill and if you understand this framework, it can keep you from so many errors. Uh, when you understand the the meta narrative of the Bible, you can quickly spot errors that start coming to you from the pulpit where verses are being taken out of context or verses are being misapplied to our current situation. You've got to know the meta narrative of the Bible. Okay. So these are the two skills that you you, you just have to make time for. How, how to basic Bible study skills and the overall story of the Bible. This is really the one-two punch that you need in order to um interpret scripture. I'm going to look up really quick here. It's called The Drama of Scripture by Craig Bartholomew. It's a very helpful book. Again, it's called The Drama of Scripture, Finding Our Place in the Biblical Story. This is a very helpful book that I use as the textbook in the God's Big Story class. So if you don't want to take the class, and you just want to read the book, that is a great resource for you. Again, it's called The Drama of Scripture, Finding Our Place in the Biblical Story. Okay, baby step number four. Okay, so now we've what we've done so far is we've learned a little about the basic doctrine, the ABCs of our faith. We've learned some basic Bible study skills. So now we've got some tools in our tool belt, okay? We, we know what kind of the general boundaries are of historic Christianity. Then we get to baby step four, learn about culturally urgent issues. And this leads me to the, a common mistake that I see that many Christians make when they're trying to disciple themselves and they start getting into apologetics and they start reading all these apologetics books but they haven't first taken the time to learn doctrine and hermeneutics, it's very confusing because they go right for the culturally urgent issues. They want to know, well, how do I answer this? How do I answer this? How do I answer this objection? How do I handle this objection? What do I say this? And what do I say to this? This is death by a thousand paper cuts, okay? This is it is very difficult. And I see many young and budding Christian apologists go to baby step four first. And then they, there's a certain pattern that emerges where then they get reliant on what I call discernment blogs or on particular ministries. And they want to know, well, who's safe and who's reliable? Who can I trust? This is because they haven't taken the time to go do baby steps two and three of learning basic doctrine and learning basic hermeneutics. And so if you jump into apologetics and you jump into baby step four, there will be challenges if you do it that way. Okay. Now that's not to say we shouldn't look at cultural issues. We should. I got a list here of some of the big ones that I think, you know, it's worth looking into and ironing out your positions, definition of marriage and sex. And by sex, I mean biological sex, progressive Christianity, issues related to the doctrine of hell, the atonement, issues about the Enneagram, thinkers like Richard Rohr, deconstruction, all fall under that umbrella. The issue of the dignity of all humans, the pre-born, the elderly, the equality of all humans and and ethnicities wealth and poverty thinking about 
um, justice and social policies related to wealth and poverty, creation, things, uh, issues related to the origin of the universe, the origin of life, the origin of humanity. And then I added there, whatever your kid is into, if your kid is really into art, you might want to think about helping yourself first learn a theology of art so that you can begin to engage your kids in that conversation and help guide their discipleship. If your kid's really into a particular issue, start to think, are there any resources out there that provide helpful integration between theology and faith and this academic discipline? Maybe you want to learn about some of those things so that you can talk to your kid and maybe that you can engage with them in some discipleship conversations related to their worldview. So these there are important cultural issues to get yourself up to speed on, but it will be much, much easier for you to do this step if you first have some ABCs of doctrine and biblical hermeneutics under your belt. Okay, a few recommendations for ministries uh, that can help you on the cultural issues. My friend Elisa Childers can help you on issues related to progressive Christianity, um, the Center for Biblical Unity. You can follow us, Monique and I, in uh, thinking about issues related to race, unity, and justice. My friends are at Reasons to Believe on the integration of science and scripture. And my friends at Stand to Reason on a wide variety of topics. I just picked a couple of them here of abortion and sex and gender conversations. So those are some, some resources to get you started. Julie says, we are attempting to disciple our girls at church on this concept of meta narrative. It is an uphill battle. They are not prepared to have anything asked of them at church. Isn't that an interesting comment? Let me just have a little side conversation here about that. Isn't it an interesting observation, Julie, that these same students are probably taking AP biology right now or AP English or pre-calculus classes? Isn't it interesting that these very same teenagers, if they're in high school, are taking fairly academically rigorous classes. But when they get to church, we have somehow so socially conditioned them that they don't think and they shouldn't have to deal with any hard questions. And yet they see hard questions on social media all the time. And they're dealing with, they're confronting on social media issues related to sex and gender and justice and poverty and wealth and all of these things, evolution all the time, on the daily. So it it is so sad. If I could do one thing, it would be to sit Kidman pastors and youth pastors down and say, please stop doing this. Please stop conditioning our children not to think at church. They're all taking AP classes at school. They can do it. Please raise the bar. Yes. Okay. That's the end of that little soapbox. Okay. Back to the baby steps. All right, baby step number five to discipling yourself as you disciple your kids is then you can begin to explore denominational distinctives. And this is another mistake that I see many people make when they're just kind of starting out in learning about theology and apologetics. They skip to baby step five. They start wanting to investigate things like really controversial problems like predestination and free will. Like, really? <laughs> We're barely out of the gate here. Let's go back to the ABCs. Let's get established on the core issues of the faith. Or they'll want to dig into the age of the earth controversy or the end times controversies or baptism or women in ministry or charismatic theology. All of these like really complicated, difficult issues. They want to skip to those. And inevitably, when I have conversations with, with people who want to investigate these things, nine times out of 10, they're very well-meaning, they're very excited, 
but they have skipped to baby step five and they haven't done baby steps two and three of learning basic doctrine and learning basic hermeneutics. Because what happens is if you if you skip into the denominational distinctives and you don't have that good foundation first, it can feel very overwhelming. You can get very discouraged. You don't know how to discern what's true, who's handling the scripture in the right way, who's not. And then you know what happens? Again, we get dependent on discernment ministries. And we ask questions on social media like, who's safe to listen to, okay? Thinking, I'm not suggesting don't think through these things. Think through them. These are important conversations. But I'm begging you, if you're just starting out and you're a millennial parent and you're just kind of starting to learn about the faith in a deeper way, please do not skip to this step because it will be very frustrating and discouraging for you because it's hard to sift through the information if you don't have the foundation in place, okay? All right, baby step number six is then start learning about other religions or other worldviews, okay? And this can include things like, I would put here the things like the critical social theories, critical race theory, critical queer theory, atheism, humanism, evolution as a worldview, okay? The religions around you, like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Islam, these are worthy conversations, but it'll go a lot easier for you if you've done some work on baby steps two and three. You've got some basic doctrine under your belt. You've got some basic hermeneutics under your belt. Okay. Now I know many of you are thinking, holy smokes, this is a lot of information. I'm very busy. I'm I'm taking the kids all over the place. I'm running around to their sporting events. I'm cleaning my house. I get it. We're busy. But that takes us back to our time audit at the beginning, okay? So that's why we do the time audit, and that's why we do it first. Because if you look at all the baby steps all at once, you will get over overwhelmed. But we're just going to start with the more important, the more essential things first, Get grounded there first, okay? And then you can move into other conversations. All right. Let me check the comments really quick. Okay, we're good. All right. Now, a couple more tips, some pro tips just generally um, to help you out. Tools. I want to help you in your time budget as you're learning, um, Here's a way to think about it as um, kind of the the most basic place to start and then working your way into more and more complex resources, okay? So it's always good to start an investigation on a particular issue with what I call popular level on-ramps. This is, this is a, a an article like a blog post that's a thousand words or less or a video that's 10 minutes or less. Okay, this is a popular level on-ramp. We're just getting exposed to some vocabulary, some big picture ideas. So if you watch a 10-minute video on the existence of God, you are not an expert. You have just watched a 10-minute video on the existence of God. Don't then get go and get into an argument or a confrontation with your friendly neighborhood atheist, okay? All you've done is watch a 10-minute video. But there's still a good place to start. It's what I call an on-ramp tool, a thousand-word article or a 10 minutes or less video, okay? We're just getting exposed. Big picture concepts might give us some concepts, some words that we hear that we can go Google, and we can do a, diff a, a more deeper dive. Next level is podcasts or videos, long form videos, long form podcasts, an hour, two hours. Maybe we start listening to a podcast series 
all right, this is how I, the primary way that I consume information. It actually is long form podcasts and videos. It can be very educational. They're free oftentimes, and you can learn a lot by doing this. And I do it all the time. I have some issues with um, insomnia. So I do listen to a lot of content at night as I'm trying to sleep. Um, but if I'm driving, if I'm working out, if I'm on my walk, I can consume content this way. Next level, a little deeper, is a book chapter or longer. So it might be 5,000 words for a book chapter or a semi-technical article. So here now I've started to know some of the vocabulary, some of the words, some of the big picture concepts. Now I'm digging a little bit deeper into a 5,000 word article or a book chapter. Next level is an entire book treatment, okay? Now you can talk about popular level books or academic level books. That would be another way of breaking it down even further. So the book that Monique and I are writing right now on race, is a popular level book. The book that our friend Neil Shenvey and Dr. Pat Sawyer wrote on critical theory, it's called The Critical Dilemma. That's a more technical book. It's a more academic book. So we can break books down even further that way. Classes, taking a class. Now we're maybe reading multiple books in a class or we're reading multiple books and listening to lectures. You can get free classes through biblicaltraining.org. It's a wonderful resource where you can access uh, lectures and notes from prominent evangelical theologians. You can go to the Center for Biblical Unity or Theology Mom and also sign up for our classes. Other tools. Now, you, this might not be something you've thought of, is relationships. People who hold positions different than your own. I have learned a lot about the theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by talking to my brother, who is a member of that sect. Now, um, that relationship, I don't want to make the whole relationship about, about our, you know, our theological disagreements or our religious disagreements, but that relationship has been very educational. If you have a friend, my friend Anastasia, who I've interviewed on my podcast before, is in the Coptic tradition that's been very educational for me to learn about that and have somebody to dialogue with about those things. So relationships can be very educational, especially when you have dialogue partners with people who have more developed views than you, people who, who have different views than you. They can refer you to resources and books to help you explore all in the, the spirit of education and learning, okay? Um, another pro tip is to differentiate between primary and secondary sources. This is so important. Uh, I see many people make mistakes in thinking that they have mastery over a subject but they've only ever interacted with secondary sources. Now, what's the, the difference? So reading Vodi Bauckham's book, Fault Lines, about the critical social theories can be a great on-ramp book length treatment to the subject from a Christian point of view, but it is not a primary source. If you want primary sources, you're gonna have to go read Ibrahim X. Kendi or Robin D'Angelo or Kimberly Crenshaw, the people who are the inventors and the developers of these ideas. Reading a Stephen Meyer book about evolution is a secondary source. If you really want to understand evolution, you might consider go reading uh, Darwin's Origin of Species or The Descent of Man, which I read recently when uh, we were working on the race book. So you want to differentiate between primary and secondary sources. If you're really trying to have mastery about a topic, you are at some point going to have to interact with primary sources. But if you're a beginner 
and you're just starting out and you do a book length treatment of a secondary source, great. You're in the conversation, you're learning, you're growing. That's awesome. Now they say that, what is it? Mastery comes with, I can't remember. Is it mastery comes with a thousand hours when you read and interacted with a thousand hours of content or is it 10,000 hours? I'm going to look it up here really quick. The number of hours, this is according to a random website that I just Googled, a number of hours to reach master status can range from 700 hours to 16,000 hours. The 10,000 hour rule is a myth. I usually say, if I'm really gonna master something like a topic, I I plan to invest about a thousand hours into it. Now it's mastery level. Not everybody's going for mastery level. But you, the other end of the spectrum is you can't watch a 10 minute video and think you're an expert on something, okay? Like that that's not gonna work. You're gonna have to make an investment of your time and intention into something. But think about when you do your audit, your time audit, start adding up. If I spend an hour a night watching Netflix or I spend two hours a night watching Netflix or I do that, three times a week, and then I multiply that over a year, and then I multiply that over three years, that starts to really add up as to how many hours you're spending on that thing, okay? Another pro tip for you to strive for is to decrease your dependence on discernment ministries. This is so important because as you grow, in your knowledge of the basics, okay, the the basic doctrine and the basic biblical hermeneutics skills, you will be able to be less dependent on discernment ministries to tell you how to think, what to think, who's safe and who's not. All right, what you want to go for is not just be dependent on other people to fish for you. You want to learn how to do your own fishing, okay? And that's how I teach. I'm trying to teach you how to fish. I do not want you to be dependent on me to do all your thinking. The way that I teach in my classes and on my channel is I'm trying to help you understand how to think about an issue. And so that's why sometimes I walk you through, this is all the research I did. Here are all the questions I asked because I'm trying to teach you how to ask questions and how to do your own research, okay? I don't want you to be dependent on me. If all I do is create reaction videos, which I know would get way more clicks, but if all I did was create reaction videos right? constantly just told you my opinions about things, you wouldn't learn how to think for yourself. You would just be dependent on me to always do your thinking for you. That's why I teach classes. I want you to learn and to grow in your faith for yourself so that you can pass that along to your children. If you're being overly dependent on discernment ministries, you will never be able to fish for yourself or teach your children how to fish, okay? And so if you're interacting with a lot of content and you find yourself like, oh, this is the reliable source about this. And I just, I'm just going to believe whatever this person tells me at this discernment ministry, that's, that's not going to be sustainable for your life. Um, the internet could go away tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow could bring. You want to make an investment in your life to really know your faith that you can pass on your faith to your children and not be dependent on people like me. I am so grateful every day that I get to wake up and do this ministry full time. And I'm thankful for all the people that um, donate to the ministry that allow me to do this full time. But I do not, I would be harming you and doing you a disservice if I made you dependent on me. I do not want to do that. Okay. All right. I hope you found this helpful. 
uh, and that you will share this with a friend. I hope that you found some nuggets of some things that you can do as next steps. One final thought today, you know, Christian parenting is about the long game. And I know that when your kids are young, the days can feel very, very long, very long, okay? But as a parent of young adult children, and my friend Laura's on the stream here, she also has young adult children, I can tell you that the years are short. The days are long, but the years are short. They just kind of fly by. And so think about how you are going to be a positive role model for your children of being a lifelong learner, especially when it comes to your faith. I think that when we display that attitude and that practice and habit of being lifelong learners when it comes to our faith, we we silently display for our children that there are depths of our faith that we will never reach. That even me as an adult, I am still learning. They see that, you know, we as our parents are 10, 20 steps ahead of them in our faith journey, and it can inspire them to continue to grow through the hard times, the ups and downs, to continue to explore the faith. Because if we stop learning as parents, then our kids could potentially get the impression that there is an end to learning about the faith, that you can just kind of learn everything there is to learn. And then that's it, you know, and that's just not true. The richness of our faith is inexhaustible because God is inexhaustible and there are always deeper layers. I can't believe that I'm going through an entire doctoral program right now after working as a professional theologian for 25 years, and I am still learning, and there is still so much to learn. I was just thinking yesterday, you know, I've never really done a deep dive into the second half of the book of Isaiah. That could be a project for me when I'm in my later 50s or 60s. Like, there are parts of the Bible that I still haven't even explored in detail. You know, I've read them, but I haven't explored them. And so we really want to display for our kids that lifelong learning about our faith is something that we never reach the end of, and that it's just part of the rhythm of our lives. And so I hope that I've given you some things to think about today. Please share this teaching. Check out more of my teachings about Christian parenting on my channel at Theology Mom and share this with a friend. Thank you so much. Happy afternoon and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening.